that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, in the lockdown towers of all our own homes, of course. Uh, as people know by now, we get towers into the opening section of this podcast. Unfortunately, don't have Dermo in any tower anywhere at all. He's not here this week, which is a shame. He will be much missed and we will have him back uh, next week, all being well. Paddy Aspel is here, though. Paddy, how are you keeping? How are you doing? Good to have you, my friend. And uh, Dave Weldon is back. Dave? How's it going, Dan? You up? Yeah, really good, really good. Um, we do the usual format of the race hour. Everyone's very comfortable with it now at this point. Uh, we don't have any Cheltenham preview uh, this week at all. We will probably get back to that in the weeks ahead. Some of your uh, favourites and we go through uh, a bit of Cheltenham anti-post stuff. But not this week. This week, a quick review of what we saw over the last five or six days over that weekend of course where some stellar uh, stars were out on display and then after uh, the break in the middle of the pod we will look at racing from Wincanton, Aintree, uh, Doncaster a little bit of stuff going on in Ireland like to Troy Town and if anyone has anything for the Breeders' Cup so it's going to be a busy um, well probably coming under an hour would imagine why don't we get started gents uh, Dave I'll let you go first with a horse that um, I know Dermot was keen on last week on the podcast uh, the storyteller getting it done at Down Royal in that Labbrooks champion chase. Now, before the race, it looked an absolute belter with the likes of Delta Wert presenting Percy, Chris's dream. Um, not many had Storyteller on the front of their minds to come through and win. Keith Donahue was confident and about it running the big race on his bookmakers.co.uk blog. Um, and uh, he was right, wasn't he? The horse and the fitness and everything about Storyteller at the minute in A1 form. Yeah, exactly. I think fitness won, won out from on the day. Um, he had a good aggressive campaign by Gordon over the summer. Um, picking up a couple of nice pots that will probably do Gordon well come the end of the year in the Trainers' Championship. Uh, it was great for Keith to get his open grade one. Um, great story and the bookmakers.co.uk blog from last week with his uh, trials and tribulations, keeping his weight down and all that. Um, exactly. Great stuff for, for Keith. Uh, you could see, even see after the line, Puppy Power was first to congratulate him for winning the race. Um, going forward, I think he'd be passed out by the rest of them. I think make an argument that presenting Percy Delta work and Chris's dream all probably needed to run and Chris's dream probably blew up after the last um, and Gordon I think himself even mentioned going back hurdling after this so um, while it was a good performance in the day I think going forward the horses to follow were in behind yeah I mean a magic bit of training really when you think about it from Gordon Elliott's point of view is that he's at the horse right for a while runs him in the big race of the day run, gets a good run into some of his other uh, stable stars likes of presenting Percy and Delta Work and still comes away with the pot Paddy I mean that's a result isn't it the storyteller maybe done his business now for for a little while and can go mixing it uh, over timber probably and uh, and his other lads have had a good run yeah exactly <clears throat> like Dave says they've got the option there haven't they to go back over the smaller obstacles but just looking down through um his record Keith Dunne who's got a great record on the horse hasn't he does yeah yeah he really does and uh, he was saying in his blog Paddy um how lockdown has been you know really kind to him because it allowed him to to really focus on <clears throat> a few things that he found harder to do when you know the madness of, of the season was was upon him so he's been able to control his weight really well. he's been able to get super fit and he's really reaping the benefits of that and for him to get a big pot like that I think it's his second grade one I think he won on hardline 
um, at Limerick a few a few Christmases ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but for him to go and win this on the Storyteller and to be on the right horse on the right day when there's bigger guns from the stable in the race, uh, great for him, Paddy. Yeah, and you know, there was no there was no accidents about it because mm-hmm. he gave the horse a lovely, well-timed ride, uh, as he did at Punchestown. And, you know, he, he the horse went there with maximum confidence at Down Royal the other day. And you could see that everybody got a great kick out of it. And, yeah, it was a real good story. And, you know... The thing about this horse is he's absolutely no back number. Um, mm. You know, and that that was that was certainly up there with a career or best. That was, I mean, he, he done that the other day, rated one five eight. I'm not sure where he's at now, um, but yeah, it was a great story, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And I mean, the horses that are in behind, Dave says he reckons a few of them will pass out the storyteller now in future engagements. So I think that's absolutely spot on. Uh, you'd have to be happy enough with Delta Works first run because we're getting used to the fact that he, he would need it. Presenting Percy showed up pretty well, and Chris's dream travelled like the winner pretty much for all of the contests until the end. Yeah, he really did. I mean, I think connections are going to be absolutely delighted with where they're, where they're at. You know, it's going to be hopefully a long season. Um, and, you know, we've seen that in a few races at Down Royal the other day, that the horses that did get sort of on the job early doors and, and, and got involved, they were, they were just running out of gas a little bit from the back at the last. Um, yep. So, you know, it, it, it was no real panic, to be honest, for me. Yeah, uh, a tough old test as well for plenty of them after plenty of uh, summer oats and even that longer break that they had when racing was curtailed so early, of course, uh, in festival season. We never really got to see, we never really got some of the big guns to play out their, their final markers. Dave, talk to me about Envoy Allen. I think everyone is waxing lyrical about how professional this animal looked. Uh, we thought he would be, but he really was. Yeah, like he didn't touch a twig. He was clever when he had to be. When he was in close, he got his feet up and out of the way. Um, Paddy, tell you more about his jumping, but I, I thought it was spectacular. Um, on all roads lead to the more next. Now, like, put it out there, he had 30 pounds in hand on hurdle form mm, versus sure. the rest of them, so he should have won it that way. But it's just very exciting to see a horse like this um, continue his progressions and keep going. And sky is really the limit with him, yeah. Paddy, I think Dave makes the point there. This was, um, this was a point and shoot. Uh, his debut of offences for M4 Allen, but the way he jumped, like he's clever, isn't he? He looks economical, he looks quick. Yeah, no, he was he was good as gold for me. Um, you know, on TV, you know, Gary O'Brien was was trying to pick holes in him simply because look, he went off one to fourteen. You're gonna try and pick yeah, up, let's try, yeah. Pick up any little thing you can. But you know, Ruby set him straight. He said, Look, what do you want him to do? He's done everything was asked him. Um and you know, he jumped well and he won like a one to fourteen shot and it was a good starting point. And you know, you can't say any more about it and just move on from there. But no, it was spot on. When you see horses like that who have, you know, obviously huge reputations and well backed up by what we've seen on the track from Envoile and uh, today, of course, it would have to be. But um, when you see them come and make a debut over fences like that, you're almost going to have the niggle in the back of your mind that um, maybe doesn't need too much racing before we get to the lights of the festivals this time. Just look super professional. Sometimes you see a horse of that kind of ilk make a chase day and you go, they're going to need a few runs to get the the hang of this. Take Champ, for example. Um, Envoy Allen looks like you could probably go one more run and turn up at the festival he's going to be on top yeah I mean look the thing is he's rising seven year old and yep. you know he's had not even ten runs you know um, mm. he is very very low mileage and I mean to be fair th- th- there's probably not going to be that many options for him anyway and it, is, it certainly didn't look like the other day that he's going to need the match practice so Connections have got that option haven't they they certainly do. Um, Paddy, I might ask you about the the hurdlers that went to post there at Down Royal. I think it was on uh, Friday where Aspire Tower came out on top 
um, in a match with the likes of Jason the Militant and Abacadabras that I don't think anyone had Aspire Tower at the front of their mind for that race. Uh, it seems to have have come on lovely after you know a four-year-old campaign yeah certainly did and you know it was, it was another um good point to be fair that that ruby made he, he'd actually questioned um he'd asked rachel the question herself as why did she choose aspire tower mm. and um you know he said that he, he was she was proved right and you know that was a real good effort the other day i mean four and a half lengths back to a good horse like abacadabra um, yep. just shows I mean, it was a massive price in the end really because it looked like on form that you know Rachel had, had maybe taken a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a chance in, in choosing him but obviously she knows this horse plenty well enough and, and she was proved right and that was a real good effort on the other day you know yeah I guess Dave the clues were there in that jockey booking um, Aspire Tower coming out on top of a stable mate but what about um, Abracadabras and, and going forward they wouldn't have been too disappointed I wouldn't think no, I can't imagine they would be like the, the target wasn't going to be the WKD hurdle in uh, the end of October down Royal. But yeah, I yeah. think they probably would have liked maybe get a bit closer to that Spire Tower um, and just getting past Jason the Milton on the line. But listen, the Spire Tower was very good. Um, Abracadabras needs to come on a bit for my book. Like he just flatters to deceive. I think he travelled all over the race, all over the front two. He jumped probably marginally the best of the three um, mm-hmm. after a couple of sketchy jumps early on and still couldn't. It's just finishing effort left a little to be desired, I think, and I'd be taking him with a pinch of salt going forward. Um, Aspire Tower is very good. I actually, in the back of my head, I was hoping he'd blow up and they'd go chasing early and he'd get all them allowances similar to Fakir mm-hmm. to Dairies last year um, with Joseph. So... But it looks like he's a right champion hurdle contender now. Yeah, I, I, they're going to have to. They're going to have to campaign that way. They're going to have to after going and winning that race. That's where they'll go and they'll, they'll find out where they sit in the pecking order as the season progresses. And that makes a lot of sense. Uh, a couple of younger guns on the on the path. Um, in a nice way, nice way to start off the season. Like so Farouk Delane and, and Bally Adam. Well, they come to you with that one. Yeah, um, Farouk Delane didn't really impress me. Um, it was a poor, okay. poor field, and he. he kind of blew up after the last maybe he needed to run his first time out but I, I can mm. see him more going towards handicaps and taking I think just better out there than him and I'd be surprised if there isn't Bally Adam I suppose is living up to the hype after his early turnover at 1-3 to three in a bumper um, still plenty to improve on and got, going the right way and what, sure, what can you say with Sheepley Park they've, they've some hand of horses going forward to mm. this year they certainly do and Paddy they, they, um, they seem to be recruiting all of the right types, don't they, since they've stepped into the National Hunt game? I mean, they've got a few st- stable stars already. Bally Adam looks like one that will uh, take high rank amongst uh, his peers this season as well. Yeah, for sure. Like you say, they're, they're, um, they've been quite select, haven't they, with, with mm. sort of horses that they've picked up. But I think they're, they're reaping the benefits now because they've got a very, very strong team. Um, you know, they don't really do sort of bread and butter midweek horses generally what they have. <laughs> that, no, that is true. That yeah. is very true. That takes a lot of doing, though, to get it right. Yeah, to, to source the right ones, because obviously they're not going to pick them up for, for, for small money. Um, mm. But there's no doubt on, on, on the evidence so far, whoever is sourcing these horses for them, um, they are proven very, very well bought. Yeah, very much so. Bally Adam, uh, one to look forward to after winning uh, that maiden and a bit of a romp at, at Dan Royal. 
Um, what about Battle Over Doyen? I mean, obviously, I would have gone to Derma on this, and, he, and he's not here, but I mean, he's always a big fan of the horse. And it won a nice grade two chase at, at Dan Royal, Dave, in the style of a horse that, you know, is going to be something to, to reckon with over fences this season. Easy games, the right one back in second. Sam Crow had run uh, good up to a point, finishing in third. And, no, you know, we all know that Sam Crow is likely to step up plenty, but Battle Over Doyen getting it done early. Yeah, it was it was very impressive, Dean. It was one of the performances of the weekend for me. Mm. Um, like Easy Game was race fit, had beaten the Storyteller the last time out, and Storyteller just franked that form. Um, Sam Crow made a really bad mistake in the, at the third last, just as Battle Over Dyan was making the, his, his move. And he, Battle Over Dyan did so stylishly. He just quickened between horses, put in a really good leap, and he was gone. The race was over three out, and the other two couldn't get involved at all. It was a very good performance, and given how Gordon's happened running over the weekend, his winter horses ne- looking like they needed to run. Um, mm. It was it was very impressive now, and he, you'd have to have a question mark in the back of your head with regards to Cheltenham because he just hasn't performed there um, in the last two seasons. But I think two more five would be his trip, um, so it could be all roads to the Ryanair, but you could also see him staying at home as well and picking up a couple of graded races given Gordon's ambition this year winning the trainer's championship I think that's something yeah. we have to be kind of aware of is that Gordon really wants to win it this year and he kind of has the ammunition I, I think he feels he has the ammunition this year to, to beat Willie so before you do your anti-post bets and stuff like that just keep an eye on what horses might like to stay at home yeah, I mean, you raise a good point about Battle Over Doyen because immediately you see a race like that and think, wow, this this animal's going to the Ryanair. And then you do check back and go, well, pretty heavily beaten in an RSA. And then prior to that, you know, it was very well fancied uh, in City Island's um, Ballymore, was it? Back at Cheltenham in 2019. Um and was pulled up in that race, where having everything go right in the season on the way there. And perhaps that fall behind Forheen at Leperstown when looked beaten anyway uh, that day, in February last year, just took the rails off before Cheltenham. So maybe there's an angle that he can still go and deliver there, but he doesn't have to, Paddy. It doesn't always have to be about Cheltenham. We've got a serious animal here anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I thought it was poetry to watch the other day. I mean, yeah, I think it was highlighted by Manny, wasn't it? The way Mark Walsh just gave him a squeeze going to that third last. But, you know, for a horse that stays a trip, you know, just the, 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 the bit of boot he showed going into the wings of that fence, I mean, the race was over there uh, because he had the lads on the stretch in a matter of strides because he's winged it and he's taken two lengths out of the field. And I, mean, I know he's gone to one by, by six lengths in the end, but that that was them dead and buried there. That just showed the bit of class. You know, drop back to, to, to two mile three the other day to go and do that. It was it was a it was a real good comeback effort that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he does have an entry to try and carry top weight against some inferior types uh, at Punchestown in... Um... 10 days or so uh, over two mile four. And I wonder whether they might take that bit of pot hunting. Probably unlikely having just won a grade two, but um, just, you know. Yeah, it's a handicap, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, you'd have to give a few, you know, 10 pounds or so, but mm. it looks like the size of him and the scope of him and the way he jumps, uh, you'd think he maybe he's going to take a, Gordon Elliott, take a leaf out of Paul Nichols and starts kicking some handicappers out of the way with some of his good horses because, you know, they're big prizes to win. Um, we'll see anyway I was very impressed with Battle Over Doyenne I think Dave I think you're right one of the performances of the weekend talk about a couple of them in the UK and we've got to start with with Surname um, who was just well, we talked about poetry in motion for Battle Over Doyenne everything that Harry Cobden wanted Surname to do at the weekend in beating uh, I Write and Vindication uh, he did Paddy it looked like you know he jumped gun barrel straight he travelled everywhere trip didn't even seem to be it was a trips and afterthought now um, did everything so well 
Yeah, no, that was very, very likable. And he he almost looked, you know, up the run in that, you know, Harry was just basically keeping him up to his work. You know, be, yeah. some good yardsticks in behind and obviously put to bed the fact of him going that way around left-handed. But no, that was that was lovely today. He looked like a monster, didn't he? Um, and it was it was a very very taken performance. And I think like a lot of the Nichols horses at the minute, you know, he, he really is mapping um, a lot of these horses out very very well. And I'd say they were just chuffed a bit more so. This he sort of put the left-handed thing to bed the other day, albeit it doesn't seem that they really had much worries. Um, but mm. he looked he looked as good as ever. And you know, I love the horse in second. I thought who, who, who ran his guts out again in vindication. Um, yeah. you know, and he's not a, he's not a bad horse. But for me, it looked like your man probably wasn't even our fourth gear the other day, surname. That's what it felt like at the finish to me. And for all that vindication seems to have stepped up and did everything, I would imagine Kim Bailey thought vindication had to deliver and can probably jump a little bit quicker he looked almost a little bit sleepy in the first uh, kind of fences I thought that that just comes with a bit more racing but surname didn't really have to do anything like you say out of maybe a third or, or fourth gear max um he was super impressive I wonder what they'll do with him now Paddy in terms of they get this left-handed question out of the way we've always said before that Cheltenham wasn't the spot do they just stick to the you know we know the trip maybe is not an issue now so Kempton and we go King George, and then we go and have a pot of Cheltenham. Like I'd be inclined to put him in a trial race at Cheltenham and see whether they can exercise that as well. Yeah, I think so because you you've got to really admire the horse. He, he he's obviously got a great constitution for the job because I mean he had that real ding dong with Altior, then mm. he was emptied out behind Clandesobo under King George. Got a horrible fall at Ascot when we last seen him behind Riders Under Storm, and for Nichols to get him back the other day and produce. A performance like that he's obviously a horse now who's pretty tough and hardy but mm. um you know like i say a real good starting point but i'd i'd, I'd say they're, 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 they've, they've got options with this boy now because obviously he put, he put that that question to bed the other day but just him and himself you know the, the way he looked and the way he, he he done it they've probably believe it or not actually even got a better horse to go to war with this year does seem so and um dave i think we're all pretty aware that what that race between surname and altio took out of each of those horses uh, last season um he didn't have anything like that kind of test there in in the charlie hall and did it in stunning fashion um what would you do with surname uh, I, I would skip to king george um mm-hmm. if it was my horse i'd skip to king george because paul nichols has cancelled over for that who's won the last two years and that's yep. his. That's going to be his race. He's not going to Cheltenham or anything like that. But I think the owner himself um, said he wants to win the King George. That's the race he wants to win. So he'll go there. But I would avoid that. I try and get the Betfair Chase in maybe, and then maybe the Cotswold Chase um, as a trial for the Gold Cup. But like, yeah. he's so much more tractable this year. He looked like he still pulled and was a little bit keen in, in Harry Coppin's hands like he wasn't it wasn't playing sailing for Harry Coppin but he was just mm-hmm. so much more easy to ride he looked like he could have went around again comfortably and still um, been in fourth gear the whole way around like it was just such a good performance um, now I'd like to put a perspective on it like I ride was right 114 behind and Vindication mm-hmm. every, hated every bit of going that way around in the Charlie Hall, but it's just so good to see a really good Charlie Hall winner to set up the season for the staying division. Look at the last couple of years in the Charlie Hall, you had Paddy Optic and Definitely Red winning it. Both good horses sure. in their own right, but surname is a, is a level up from them, and it just sets up the whole season for the staying division. And like we already said on this uh, podcast recently, that the staying division, the Gold Cup division, 
looks like an absolute beauty this year. And this kind of just really whets the appetite for that going forward. This is almost a left field addition to it because in my head, maybe not other people's, but in my head, surname was never going to be trying to enter the Gold Cup picture. And if the horse was mine, and again, definitely isn't or never will be, I'd be going Cotswold Chase at some point and lining that up, whether there is a run in between or not. That's what I'd be doing because I just think the horse is now um, right at the answered enough questions for me to be right in the mix. So I'd love them to do that. Dave, with you, um, just on the likes of Roxana winning what ended up being a, a slightly cut-up um, version of the, the Stayers hurdle there on the same card, and uh, Vedana Blue getting turned over in the Mayor's hurdle uh, odds on. I don't know why I laughed at that. I think it's just that we were all questioning the price last week on the pod. So it's like you know, Vedana Blue is a bit of an enigma, can destroy anything and can also beat itself sometimes. Yeah, like Verdana Blue just wants good to firm ground, and I don't know why Nikki Henderson keeps running her on on soft ground. It just doesn't yeah, really make any the sense. Don't fall. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Like even the scene in the Ebor, I think maybe the Ebor performance where she finished third or fourth um, mm. on soft ground at York kind of put it in his head that maybe she'd get away with it in these fields. Yep. But the last twice she almost her, did. She almost did get away with it. In fairness. Yeah, she did, but it wasn't her optimum conditions for, for the price yep. she was um, Roxana was very good um, be interesting to see where, where they go with her now because she clearly stays three miles um, that was very testing ground at, um, on the weekend at Weatherby so does she go back to the mares that she's won before or does she go to the stairs um, it's, it's definitely an interesting decision to make for skeletons but she's mm-hmm. she, she's a right one anyway yeah, Roxana blossomed there, Paddy. And if you're looking behind, a really big run from Next Destination um, now for Paul Nichols. Uh, Kildesart would have set up a season nicely with that spin. And Liz Nagaroska, the Stayers hurdle winner, uh, back and forth. I mean, the form looks good. Liz Nagaroska, you can expect, is, is going to be priming for uh, a spring a spring target, obviously. Yeah, no, I'd say Rebecca Curtis was chuffed with that because he came yeah. there with a chance, didn't he? And I know he did get tired and... He was well beat in the end, um, but he did come there with a chance for a few strides of, of, of being in the mix. But I mean, great bit of placing by, by Dan Scott with Roxana because, you know, she's rated 151 and I mean, she was getting the guts of a stone off Liz Nagar Oscar, um, you know, getting all the allowances, 10 stones, 7. And, you know, typical, lovely Harry Skelton patient ride, took his time, came close to the stand side. I mean, from the back at last, he never actually picked a stick up and she's gone on one eight and a half length. So, that that was that was hellish good. Uh, I was I was very very impressed. But you know I just think that that Dan and Harry Skelton now I just love the way they campaign their horses, Dino, because mm. they 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 think of you know um, seeing the season out. You know it's all yes. about longevity and you know the way Harry rides these horses. He rides them like they are literally his own. If they win, they win. If they don't, there's a little bit of petrol left in the tank for the next day and yep. for the next day. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, very well said. Very well said. And um, there were there was Copperhead in there, of course, pulled up, still has an entry in the labyrinth, but that's after a fall at Cheltenham. And then this is normally the trial for a Tizard horse to go to uh, the labyrinth, the old Hennessy, of course, and um, and to pull up. They won't be too pleased with that. I write a horse maybe that can line up in it in um, in the Labrook after running a big race in the Charlie Hall. I mean, clues are starting to appear. There was one other race I wanted to mention to you both. Um, was it was Joseph O'Brien winning another Melbourne Cup, Dave? He's some man. Yeah, and he keeps on pipping his his owl out to it as well, like oh, uh, Aiden in second again. Hand. But um, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's a great bit of training. Like I know this horse was highly rated with Jim Bolger in the past, but yep. they literally bought this horse to win this race. Um, Williams, Lloyd Williams got involved with it and purchased it, and they've been running on all the staying races over here, and then to send it over primed, 
and it was to make all in a race like that where they don't usually go they go slow enough and it's a sprint to the finish to keep in front it's a great ride great training performance and sure what can you say about Joseph Ryan he's 27 years old and he's achieved more than any of us combined will in, in racing already like you know the world uh, is at his feet there's no doubt about that I mean he, he's a humble young man as well and I love the way he goes about things but to actually do what he did there with a seven-year-old from Jim Bolger's yard and go in there and go and win a second Melbourne Cup as you say, beating beat the old man, Aidan O'Brien. Paddy, uh, some story and a bizarre situation in that the Melbourne Cup, the race that stops the nation, uh, is just run behind closed doors, but it's, it still has to take place, which is good. Yeah, no, it was it was very good, wasn't it? And I mean, mm. the thing is, probably the, the the guy that will have got the biggest kick out would be Jim Boulder, probably getting a good breeder's prize out of it as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, let's hope so. That would have been nice. I mean, great. you don't take many seven-year-olds from Jim Bolger and improve them to win a race like that. No, uh, it was great. And, you know, I mean, the thing is, the what was the name of the jockey who Because I'm not that familiar with him. Was it Jay McNeil? Or, yeah, something um, like that, yeah. You know, sort of just the, the, the very basic quote that he came out with after, he says, Joseph sort of just kept it very simple. And he said he probably isn't the best horse in the race, but what he... What he will lack for in quality, he'll make up for in in, in stamina, and that that was that was the way to ride him. So, and mm-hmm. I mean, you, you stop the race even two down, you, you're pretty sure that he's going to get swallowed up. Um, but no, oh, good effort and another massive run by Charlie Fellows' horse Prince of Aaron because he didn't have a good passage round at all, and um, he flew home and picked up the pieces. And you know, he's been a real good money spinner without you know. Um, Without being able to to win a Melbourne Cup, but still he's 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 give the he's give the yard um yeah a few good days out yeah all all credit to Charlie Fellows to keep bringing him back for the race and then to mm-hmm. run so well again finishing third and Tiger Moth of course who we've seen plenty of um over in, in Europe obviously in the last season um Tiger Moth running so well in second for Aidan O'Brien and Karen McAvoy Jai McNeil I don't know if you call him Jay or Jai Jay anyway Jai McNeil with the winning ride and a front running ride as well in the Melbourne Cup. As, as Dave said, pretty hard to pull off, but fantastic stuff. Okay, that concludes the wrap of the uh, the weekend action. And uh, when we come back after the break, we're going to take a look at what's to come uh, this weekend on The Race Hour, brought to you with bookmakers.co.uk. You're listening to The Race Hour podcast, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news, and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off office in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the Race Hour. Hello and welcome back to the Race Hour, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, uh, Paddy Aspel and Dave Weldon. Um, before the break, we obviously went through some of the, the cracking action that took place over the last five days or so. And uh, now it's all about looking ahead. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Wincanton, Aintree and a, a touch on Doncaster. And there's some decent racing as well um, on the Sunday uh, over in Ireland. So we'll take a look at that as well. Uh, why don't we kick off with this 150 at Wincanton? Uh, Dave, I might come to you first. Are we looking at um, you know, a Paul Nichols Saturday winner uh, with the likes of this kill Anna, who looked uh, pretty impressive last season? Yeah, she was, and she saw the right form in the book. Um, mm. It's a very good race, actually, for the grade. Um, he has another one in there that won the marriage race before, Eglante de Soil, uh, for oh, Willie Wallace. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. entered as well. There's another horse, Anti Honeyball, who can do no wrong, Kill Cooney Bridge. And Sunrise Rise Ruby for Nicky Henderson. So if all of them show up, it's going to be six, seven, one the field, um, mm-hmm. and it's right, good race. One there, sixteen to one. Uh, Lucy Wadham, the White Mouse. Um, she was a very good novice, 
um, won a race around Lingfield sixteen to one, and things she finished second then in another trappy little race. I, she fell last time out and has had two years off the track. If she runs, I think she'll have a good chance. If she's revved up, but she probably won't take out of this going forward. And um, she's rated one two two, and I, I reckon that she has a bit of stone in hand, um, based on her back form. Form so well. Uh, Saturday might not be the day for the White Mouse, but I think going forward she'd probably be a horse to take, and I, I would be willing to take a chance sixteen to one on her. Okay, the White Mouse, Lucy Wadham, uh, an interesting runner if it does line up there. I mean, Paddy, as Dave is alluding to, uh, if we get the top four or five in the current betting uh, line up, like Sun Sunrise, Ruby, Kilana, uh, Kilconnie, Bridge, Eglatine, Desoy, and uh, I mean, you can even throw in the, the decent form of uh, Dan Skelton and Henry Daly with his probably me and Molly Olive wishes. Uh, this looks a hot contest. Yeah, very, very warm race. Uh, but, you know, it's a nice prize on offer. Just shy of 15 grand. Um, I suppose Sunrise Ruby, not really sure. I think the handicapper has erred on the side of caution, or, or, or he hasn't erred on the side of caution, really, because she still is off one to eight, but she's had two penalty kicks to contend with so far, and, and, and that's yeah. how the sort of fashion she's won in. So we don't really know um, how good she is, to be honest. Uh, so she could be very nicely in off one to eight, you know, she could, 10-7 on her back if, if Nichols declares um, elegant decide at the top. Um, for me, I, I think Kilana is a mare who really did improve for having her tongue tied down. And, you know, she, she's a mare who won't lack for stamina. She has won a point, but she has gotten up to a mark of 135 pretty quickly, uh, considering she was a bit of a slow burner early doors but she's a course and distance winner um so she's certainly one of the more interesting ones and then i thought maybe um kilconny bridge of anthony honeyballs for me she was only beat when they dropped her back to the minimum and ran her on on really sticky ground a catrick and in the end uh, although she she did make the bulk of the run and they went very very steady and it just wasn't enough of a test for her and she just got out mm. in the back of the last but apart from that she's unbeaten kilconny bridge and She's another one of one, two, six. Could have plenty of rope to play with, Dino. Yeah, if you put a bit of turf in that in front of that mare, like she's got loads of boots. Um, and as you say, stays a lot, stays very well. I, I thought Kina, Kilana was very impressive last season, and I'd be I'd be keen on her continuing that progression. So you mentioned the tongue tie there. I mean, it's pretty remarkable that she turned inside out after that. What difference does that make, Paddy, to a horse when they tie the tongue down? Well, I mean, the thing about Nichols is he he generally does. Every horse in, in that he has in train, he does their wind every summer, doesn't he, when, when yeah. they're on their summer break. But, I mean, the thing is, it just didn't seem to be happening uh, first three starts uh, or a couple of starts in bumpers. And then, you know, was although finishing third, was comfortably beaten at Wincanton first time over hurdles. But, you know, soon after that, they've whacked the, whacked the tongue tie on and, and she's unbeaten in it now. Um, mm -hmm. So, obviously, w without having serious wind trouble, it has just helped her to get that bit of breath at a, at a vital part of the race. Connie things, isn't it? The key to finding uh, how to get a horse to run at its optimum can involve all sorts of little aids and, and tricks. Tongue tie, obviously, a very common one, but certainly wet the oracle uh, with Kielano once it went on uh, from Warwick to Wincanton to Doncaster. And uh, you'd imagine it being played again here at Wincanton. Okay, that's the 150 at Wincanton. What about the next race on the card, uh, Paddy? Uh, I'm really looking forward and hoping at uh, this time when we talked about uh, Fiddler on the Roof uh, can, can come through and put the record straight in this Rising Stars Novices Chase. Always a good contest as well. Grand Sansi in there was, was so impressive. And um, we saw that just three or four weeks ago. Um, and if the cap fits as well, I thought was was mighty impressive when that one won three weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. I think I'd maybe be be sort of the jury for me would still be out with the cap fits at the minute because look, he done absolutely nothing wrong a Foss Lass, but mm. it was it was wretched bad ground. Um, mm. Obviously, Fiddler on the Roof was behind him that day, but you know he he was ridden like a horse who was going chasing late in life. They just bobbed him out the back. He was sticky early doors, but. He got a lovely, lovely confidence boost and ride by Darl Jacob, and his jumping improved as he went on. And to be fair, by the by, the, from the back of the last, he'd actually put in a pretty decent round of jumping, and he looked yes. fin- he finished like a horse full of confidence. So you just really wouldn't know where where that's left him now. Um, I mean, he's 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 nicely clear on rating series one six two, so he's nicely clear. And I mean, for me, I know the Tizar team are they're they're having a winner or two, but they're just not rock and rolling as well uh, as I would imagine that the, the Colin Tizar would like them to be at the minute. Um, mm-hmm. So I think Fiddler on the Roof has still, for me, got a got a bit to, to prove. And I, I think the horse down the bottom here, the four-year-old, he could be the flying ointment here, GA Law. Whether he turns up or not, he's not chucked up for me this end. Um, mm-hmm. But this son of Sindar has looked an absolute natural over fences. I mean, one through eight, he's got plenty to find. But he obviously being four, he's getting getting the allowances. And but he really, really is very, very good on his feet. This GLO, and and it'd be interesting to see if Jamie Snowden declares him because he could be the flying item for me. Yeah, it would be fascinated to go test the waters against what you would naturally consider a, a better stamp of national hunt uh, chasers to go to war with this season. I mean, you just would think that but done nothing wrong as you say and gets an allowance Um, I agree with what you were saying as well Paddy in the way that if the cap fits was a victor over uh, Phil on the river last it's almost like they dropped in and, and let the others up front Emma Tom it was who was going across mm-hmm. at a good old pace let them just kind of you know not cut each other's throats but give themselves a, a hard time of it until until the business end Dave what what did you think of um of this lineup here and perhaps you know we've got a little bit of collateral form already this early in the season yeah I thought if the cap if, if the cap fits should win again like as Paddy was saying he's 10 pounds clear fit on the roof there's no mm-hmm. real reason for that form to be reversed um, I think as you go on later in the season, Fiddle on the Roof will get closer and probably turn out to be the better. I just think if the, if the cat fits, looks like a, an early season novice that'll take some stopping this side of Christmas and maybe maybe his form will tail off as it usually does, that horse in fairness, um, towards the spring festivals and stuff like that. So at 7-4, which he is currently, I, I can't see any reason why he shouldn't win again. Okay. So you fancy if the cat fits to uphold a bit of form there. I mean, Grant Sansi won another race that kind of depleted uh, the last day in, in in slamming some inferior rivals when others were supposed to line up um, did nothing wrong and, and Nichols obviously knows the time of day there it's a fascinating contest for me I'm not sure I'll be punting in it but I do want to see Filler on the roof um, do a little bit better than the last time and I won't even be that disappointed if it doesn't get um, doesn't get a victory this time round given what Paddy says as well about the yard not totally on top top form uh, just yet GA Law fascinating whether uh, Jamie Snowden uh, takes the takes a plunge there with that horse and see where it stands in the pecking order. That's a really nice race. Why don't we have a look at um, Aintree um, for the handicap chase there over two mile four. Um, Paddy, I might come to you first on this. Uh, plenty of JP McManus interest in here if they do line up with any of their uh, likely uh, protagonists, Modus, Brillandas, Drumcliff. I mean, there's there's a few in there that could go. At the moment, though, uh, Delira Destraval for Ben Paul and, um, and Benny's King for Dan Skelton, who's already got Harry jocked up. Uh, likely where they are heading the mark. Yeah, um, very very competitive stuff. Um, mm. Twenty grand or so they've, they've been rewarded with a with a decent field. Um, to be honest, so it'll be interesting to see who who stands their ground. Um, 
the likes of Pink Eye Pedro he ran yesterday. So it, it is gonna it is gonna cut up a little bit, but so far they're only forecasted soft ground at the minute. Um the Ben Pauling horse, it, this is another stable yet who I don't think they've been mega busy as regards runners. Um, so it's very difficult to say whether the horses are forward, whether they're in form, out of form. It's difficult to, to, to gauge um, on the polling yard just now, but he certainly is no back number, uh, this Delaire Destraval. And one thing I would say about him is he's a very, very good weight carrier. Um, he's got a good record, fresh. Um, and, I mean, a mark of one four six. You know, the, the handicapper probably knows enough about him. Um, but like I say, if I had a bit more of a gauge on, on the polling yard, he could be a bit more confident about this horse because I think he's a very low mileage seven-year-old and, you know, he, he, he's open to any amount of potential, you know. Yeah, there's got to be more to come in there. Benny's king, uh, Dave, we know plenty about, obviously, and is probably rightly positioned where he is there. But he'll have to give weight away to a few of these. And I- I'm going to throw one into the mix that I'll talk about in a minute in, in Garden of Victoire. He has a bit of form with some of these. He, he sure does. And um, he's probably nicely handicapped now, Dean, off 141. Yeah. Um, like it's competitive enough at the top. It's, it's nearly a veterans race, given the age profile of most of these. Um, yes. But the one I'm going to take an absolute flyer on um, is last goodbye who previously trained with Liz Doyle in Ireland um, won a very competitive handicap off 135 at Dublin Racing Festival a couple of years back he's back down to that mark he's been sold he's over with Samming and now first run there um, still only nine has pretty low mileage and is a 33 to 1 chance and if Samming can get this horse back um, to anything like it's it's best it'll have a right chance in this race it, uh, last goodbye goes well really goes well fresh um, has some really good form usually runs in all the big festivals in Ireland um, punch towns and runs in all the big handicaps there and, and places places in them so a 33 to 1 I think you'll probably see some money for it if it's fancied um, and I just think off 135 it has a right chance um, if, if he can find some of its back form um, from days gone by. Okay, okay. I like that last goodbye then for Sam England um, at a big price. I, I've got to give Garda Victoire a great chance. I think the handicapper has relented enough uh, now, uh, hopefully fit and, and fresh and ready to go. This is the kind of race it'll pick up before finding it all a bit tough again. But it is 11 years old, and the fact that they're not in a veterans race, I think, tells you that there's still a bit of uh, juice left in the tank. And if you look at the run behind Delia Destreval, uh, at Kempton, I know you're going back to March, and we haven't seen Garda Victoire since. Um, there's not going to be a lot between those two, but the prices, um, maybe an eight, nine to one shot at Garda Victoire will do me in that contest for a punt. And I do like my cliff horses, as uh, most people who listen to this uh, will know very well. Okay, what about the Unibet uh, Elite Hurdle? Um, Dave, I come to you first because um, this looks like this is the resumption of Goshen's progression after a couple of flat spins, or is it? Or is it, Dean? That is the question, isn't it? Um, yes. I don't think it is. Uh, I, I have a feeling in the back of my head he's been trained with one day in mind, and that is Cheltenham to get his redemption. So I, I still don't think he'll be fully revved up, even though he's had his two runs on the flat. Um, he can't be far from fit, though. No, he's, pro- he's probably fit, but whether they're yeah. going to unleash full Goshen and let him tear, tear, <laughs> okay, tear okay. away in front, I don't know, and, and bottom himself out. Um, like I was looking at it last night, he was about seven to four. He's now out to nine to four. Um, mm-hmm. so he, he's a fascinating runner. He has to be. Um, given what happened. 
how unfortunate he was in the triumph last year. But four-year-olds don't really train on. But this type of four-year-old don't really. Is Stephen Casper he the same? Like this headless front running. He wanted to bet me last week on the podcast that Gosha wouldn't win a race this season. Yeah, like, I, I was I, I was tempted to to go in on that with him. Um, because this is is it decent race. This um, it is hot race. Valiandi has form at these smaller races, these grade twos. You can never write him off. Song for someone, while he has to give away a penalty, is a good horse. I don't think we've got to the bottom with Solo yet either. And that's kind of where I'm going with it. Um, I know he's a four-year-old and the question about it, don't train on, but he's not your typical four-year-old. He only had one run in the UK last year. Sorry, two runs in the UK. Um, one, one at Kempton. He was so impressive. Like The market spoke in volumes for him before that race and all the talk beforehand. And he got it done. That was in February. Only a couple of weeks later, he was finished eight in the Triumph. Um, I just think that probably came a bit too quick for him. Um, he's had a summer on his back at Paul Nichols now. Um, I just think he is probably the better. I think he it, the argument could be made that he's the best four-year-old from that triumph last year, and the one with the most upward progression in him. Um, and at six to one, I'm happy to take a chance that he is the right one for this race. Okay, he's also had the cruelest cut of all since we last saw uh, Solo. Uh, previously a cult, of course, uh, going into the Cheltenham Festival. Paddy, um, this is a fascinating race because if you're a Goshen fan, you want to see Goshen deliver uh, this time round. But it's very hard not to be a Goshen fan and wish them all so well after what happened uh, in last year's Triumph. But the likes of Solo, and I'd throw in you know, a Master Debonair here, and So Royale, who, if you missed it at Foss last, you're probably not going to want to go wading into this at the prices that they are now. This makes this elite hurdle a bit of a belter. Yeah, I think I'd be in agreement with with Dave. Though I think Solo, I mean, things happened very quickly for this chap last year mm. um, because, or or this year, should I say earlier this year? But you know, he was only beaten ten lengths at Cheltenham. Um, mm. You know, that really wasn't a, a bad effort at all. I think he was he was the high parse going there, so people were maybe on the face of it, a bit disappointed. But I'd say we could see. Um, you know, a different bracket again with mm-hmm. Solo. I think this is going to be a well-run race. The likes of Brandon Castle, obviously, um, got yep. Goshen as well. I mean, Goshen, look, he had a run round the Haydock, but, you know, they put the gun to his head at Goodwood, and it was very, very deep ground. So fitness-wise, um, I'd be in agreement with you, Dino. I mean, this horse can't be that unfit. Um, yep. You know, and I thought he ran actually okay at Goodwood. I mean, the, the, they were trying to sort of force him a little bit, and probably, probably on, on the day forced him a bit too much, but um, I thought he ran okay. I think we, we were just automatically presuming because he was so good over hurdles that he was always going to fall back on this flat rate and absolutely make a mockery of it, but it just hasn't worked mm-hmm. out that way. Um, it doesn't always, you know, that that can happen to them, can't it? Because it's a different thing going at a helter a gallop over over uh, timber than it is on, on the level because it, the tractability is different and just, you know, maybe it just didn't happen for him and maybe they're quite comfortable with that. I think the Moors seem to feel that they were okay about it, Paddy. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Gary, he never jumps up and down whether things are really mm. good or really bad. So, mm. um, but I, I, I think Dave's right. They're probably not thinking November, December. They've they've got one day in mind, and if they, if they can if they can take a scalp along the way, great. But I, I don't think they're probably um, they're thinking elite hurdles is is to be an end all with Goshen. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Joshua Moore's uh, first crack at Goshen as well. Of course, previously Jamie Moore in the saddle and Hector 
Crouch be doing the steering on the flat. So that would be interesting for Joshua to get a spin round on Goshen and see how they go. Uh, like I made the point about So Royal, if you missed the, the price at 10 to 1, where it dotted up at Fast last last time, you're going to struggle uh, to, to be too enthused about wading in here. Uh, the one horse I'm looking forward to this season, seeing where it goes, and it probably isn't one for first time uh, back, is uh, is Master Debonair for, for Colin Tizard. I thought that put in some really nice performances uh, last season. It was one that could go forward. Um, yeah, Belton Race going to tell us a lot. I'm really looking forward to it. And that's that uh, Unibet Elite hurdle at Wincanton at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Um, should we mention the November handicap? Dave, you've normally got something for this, have you? Um, I, I've won. I, I just can't understand the price. Um, Eugene Glenn for Jim Goldie and uh, Paul Moretta. Yep. He's top weight, carry 109. But if you look at his form the last last four races, um, attacked up the last twice. And before that, I finished fourth at Air and enlisted race behind the Dave. Um, and he's still off the same mark, 109. Like I think he needs the ground to be desperate. Uh, the forecast probably is that it's going to be on the better side of soft, so mm-hmm. just on the slow side of good. Um, so if the rain comes, I, I he won't go off that price. He'll go off half that. But um, I think Eugene Glenn is is an absolute massive price given him what he's done and the form he's currently in. Okay, the goalie uh, Eugene Glenn, uh, Paul Morellan in the plate. For that three fifteen at Doncaster, that's the bet for November handicap. Paddy, any thoughts on the uh, well, the big the big flat punting contest of the weekend? Yeah, no, I think Dave's spot on because it's very interesting that Jim Goldie is happy to give all this weight away. Um, you mm. know, Moren is jocked up; he's not going to claim off him. I mean, the last time he ran in a handicap back in September, same thing. He carried top weight to victory. Since then, he's mm. been in a listed in two Group Three races, two of them which he's won. Um, you know, and only three lengths behind a Dave. I mean, back in handicap company, that's that's massive form. I mean, yeah. handicap wise, it's not very compact because from onto victory down, you know, the weights just drop right off. He is having to give a fair chunk away to some some younger legs here, um, but you can Glenn really copes with these conditions very well, and Morellin rides him with supreme confidence, and 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 you you can Glenn really seems to thrive from that as well. Top weight and handicap looks a good thing. Potentially, you can Glenn and uh, at a fair price as well, uh, it seems. So good luck to Jim Goldie and Paul Moran in the uh, in the handicap at Doncaster. We did have one more jumps race to talk about, and it's one of my favourite ones, actually, at this, or certainly, obviously, at this time of the season. But actually, in any season, sets a little tone. And normally, Paul Nichols has something a bit special for the Badger Beers uh, Silver Trophy at Wincanton. And it looks like this time round, uh, it's a choice between a few of his, which one uh, is going to go off top of the shops? Uh, Danny Wisbang and Present Man, who's obviously been there and done it before, Dave. Yeah, it's a fascinating race, really. Um, Present Man has already been out this season, uh, winning well the last time. Um, you imagine Brian, you probably ride that. She gets on really well with, with Present Man. Yep. Um, he's got My Way in there as well. He was an interesting horse and would be carrying a feather weight if, if the top two stay in. Um, Danny Wisbang is, is interesting. He kind of tailed off um, a bit towards uh, the end of last year. And if you look back on it, he only really beat Reserve Tank, who's jumped and went to pot in, in a Newbury race. Um, now, 145 could still massively underestimate his ability. Um, but I'd probably err on the side of caution with him. El Presente has been in super form all summer um, for Kim Bailey and David Bass. He has to go well as well. It's, it's a really good race and hopefully it stacks up um, when we get the decks in. I'm going to take a chance on, uh, I seem to take a lot of chances today, but I'll take a chance on Champagne Court uh, for Jeremy mm-hmm. Scott. Uh, second run back after a wind up. He had a, a pipe opener at uh, Cheltenham last time behind Honest Vic in the Pretemps. 
uh, qualifier uh, where he finished ninth. It wasn't that bad a run. And if you go back and look at some of his novice handicap chase form last year, he finished fifth behind Simply the Bets at Cheltenham in January and then eight behind Imperial Aura at the festival. That's that's form is so strong. Um it's it's really the best form for handicap chasing, um novice chasing anyway, last year and it's probably worth following off a cliff. So fourteen to one, um I give Champagne Court a massive each way chance. Okay. Champagne Court for Jeremy Scott there in that badge of beers. Um Paddy, I mean, I really like the chance of Danny Wiz bang. I'm pretty sure that it'd be underestimated and Nichols targeting a race like this with a horse like this. If this is where it does uh, line up this weekend, um, would interest me enough at the current prices. Yeah, I think maybe the the only worry about Danny Wizbang is did his mark take a hit simply by by winning the the Newbury race where where Dave says maybe the best horse on the day didn't win um you know as mark jumped yeah. up he won, he won that off 139 he's on five now so he's gonna have to step forward again that's the only thing he could well do you know he's only seven um so he could well do but he's got that box to tick for me for me I, there was a couple in here i liked i do like the scudamore horse some chaos um he knows his way around Wing Canton. You know, he, to the eye, he sort of, he just gets the job done. Some chaos, but he's pretty consistent. He's up to 1-4-2, so the lads are going to have to to get some more improvement out of him as well. He's nine-year-old, so that is a bit of an ask, but say he does know his way around Wing Canton, and he's he's solid in that way. And then maybe one at a bigger price. I thought they, they gave him a run over hurdles the last day. was supremely lucky of Dan Skelton's. Mm-hmm. They just dropped him in and moseyed round your talks of the last day and did get tired, but he wasn't beaten that far, to be honest. He's going to have a lovely racing with there. 11 stone to um, an eight-year-old, supremely lucky. I think he would have a chance because this will only be his fourth start over fences. You know, and it, it, It's a very, very deep contest to be pitching him in here. So the lads obviously think that they, they might be competitive off that sort of mark, one, three, six. Yeah. Potentially so. Supreme lucky. Got to be more to come from that. It's a couple of other runners in there that are fascinating enough on the blind side. I've ever puts together as well able uh, to win off one four five. You think now eight years old and had plenty of chances in the past. And just a sting who just looks like just a big old lump, but plenty of um, plenty of toe in there as well. And he's off one three five. I mean, this is this is looking like a a decent renewal. I I think Nichols knows what he's got with Danny Wisbang. If that lines up, that'd be a tip uh, from me for sure. And that's um. That's kind of like Saturday wrapped up. There's some good stuff in Ireland. Um, Dave, we might mention the Liz Mullen hurdle. There's the Fortria chase as well, of course, uh, where Plutar could line up against likes of Eclair de Beaufort and Onua. And then um, there's the Troy Town. I mean, which, where do you want to start, Dave? You can choose one of those. Um, I, I don't really have a massive opinion on, on the Irish stuff on Sunday until Dex come out, really, because it is so competitive. Bit um, soon, yeah. And the Liz Mullen... Mouse is kind of Mouse Morris is going through a bit of a purple patch at the moment. Uh, he has one there, French Dynamite, who was exciting enough Love last year. Um, yep. Yeah, so I think if he takes his chance on Sunday, I'd be taking a chance on him. And then just two to keep an eye on in Troy Town. Like Gordon has so many horses entered in this, it's, it's actually ridiculous um, at his local track. Um, Manella till Dawn and Mormon for Henry de Bromhead. Manella for Dawn is JP and and. Um, and Gordon, so we'd see if Mark Wallace is booked on that. It'd be a tip mm-hmm. in itself, I'd say. They're both second season novice uh, chasers, so they should have the experience and trip conditions are no issue. They both run over three miles around Abbott on soft ground, so they, they just have a plenty of ticks beside their names. And um, I'd say they both be big prizes um, when the, we eventually get uh, odds for this race. But And, and mm-hmm. for the Fortua, 
um, it'd be good to see a Plutarch back and, and fitting well and see where he goes from this season. Yeah, I mean, that full trio looks, um, looks a fascinating little contest. Castle Grace Paddy and El Nura and Eclair de Bofo and, and Aplutar uh, Paddy looks looks a decent little race. And I don't know how you're going to go and solve uh, the others at this point, but um, I'm really looking forward to seeing French Dynamite line up for Mouse Morris again, among other runners in those races. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Aplutard. Really do like... Yeah. Really do like that horse. Um, it's going to be a small field, isn't it? Because yeah, Fizz and the likes they ran um, just the other day, so it could could turn three or four runners, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, smallish field. Um, mm-hmm. In the Tri Town, I mean, it's seven to one the field here, isn't it? Uh, I <laughs> mentioned at the head of the market, but you know, it, it's a proper grueler this. But at the minute, they're they're yielding soft, so it mightn't actually be that bad. But you got plenty of horses contesting this that you know ran in that Munster National, which. It, it it was certainly wasn't for the faint-hearted. I mean, it was carriage, oh, yeah. and there wasn't yeah. many finishers, and so that's the type of race that, that could leave a hole in plenty of these. And and sort of with horses coming in here with recent good form, um, you know, they, they they could just sort of feel the effects of a race at that. So it could throw up a bit of a surprise. Um, there was one I thought, um, no Meads, brace yourself, seven-year-old. Um, mm-hmm. This brace yourself, you know, it's only had four starts over fences, so you know the. the, the like I say, it's a proper test, this uh, a Tri-Town, isn't it? So, But at least there could be scope for improvement with Brace Yourself. This will only be his, his fifth start over fences, and he'll have a lovely racing weight, 10 stone 8. Um, so he certainly makes a bit of appeal for me. Okay. Uh, one around the same kind of mark in that field as well, I thought, um, will probably win when uh, when ready, well, probably go well when ready to do so. Is that the acorn who's been uh, tipping around, had a little spin over hurdles there just a, a week or so ago uh, for Tony Martin? And uh, that one's in there at 12 to 1, going to carry 10 stone 6 off 1, 3, 1. Uh, Gordon Elliott has uh, loads of them in there. And uh, yeah, it's it's tricky enough to, stuff to solve, but that's the come on Sunday. We've got to get through Saturday first. There's also a bit of Breeders' Cup on. Um, Paddy and Dave, you're welcome to give me something that will win at the Breeders' Cup and uh, and and pay for my weekend. Dave. I'll give you, I'll give you a lucky 15, Dean, right? Um... Lovely. Go for it. So 8-10 on Friday, the Juvenile Turf Battleground um, should win. It's best two-year-old Colt in Europe, I think, at 9-2. Then the half-nine on Friday, the Phillies Turf and the Royal Ascot winner, Campanelle for Wesley Ward. It's about 5-1. Draws, no issue. Um, she should go really well. Uh, then on Saturday in the 7-36, it's uh, a US horse called uh, CZ Rocket. Um, that goes in this dirt sprint at 7-36 on Saturday. It's around 6-1 to one chance. Um, has all the form in the book and the times look all right as well. And then the 9.33 in the Breeders' Cup turf, I think Mogul would beat Magical and Ryan Moore will be on the second string once again. Mm. At around 7 to okay. 2. So that's it. Okay. Uh, Breeders' Cup mile, probably the race that I'm most looking forward to. Uh, lights of Cambico and Siskin and horses like that going there, Circus Maximus. Uh, Paddy, did you have any thoughts on the, what's to come there on a bit of dirt and turf? Well, there was a couple I liked one each day. Um, I think on mm-hmm. the Friday, I liked the Beckett horse new mandate. Um, round about yep. 17 to 2. I thought that was that was reasonable value. I mean, he, he's, he's he's had this race in mind apparently for a long, long time. Um, the Tory mm-hmm. rides. So that's in the juvenile turf on Friday. And then I think straight away after Dermot Wells, Philly Tarnawa won in France straight away. They, they, mm. they said about going to America and they had a couple of options, but he's actually declared to run against the boys, hasn't he? Um, 
And like she was round about seven to one when I looked this morning. So she runs in the in the Breeders' Cup turf. Sumion is going to ride again, and um, it's probably he's had winners all over the world, but I don't think he's had a Breeders' Cup winner, Dermot Weld. No way. Um, and he said that this is probably his most outstanding chance so far. So you know he's not a fella really to get too up or down about things, but that was the the quote from from the good man himself. But no, I'm really looking forward to it. There's you know, the UK and Ireland, we've got a very, very solid team going over. Serious interest, yeah. And you mentioned that Breeders' Cup turf. I mean, Magical Mogul, Tanawa, Lord North, um, that's that's going to prove uh, some contest. And it's always great fun, isn't it? Complete razzmatazz of it. Unfortunately, you know, I don't know what the situation is with the crowds there, but it's going to be nothing like normal. Um, so that's that's always a shame. But uh, something definitely to keep you up uh, in the later hours and uh, and to enjoy I do need naps off you chaps for the weekend you can go to America if you want or you can stick uh, with the racing at home uh, Dave I'll let you go first and give me your, your best uh, of the uh, of the rest from the weekend um, best bet will be last goodbye in the 240 at entry at 33-20 okay Okay, I'm going to go against you in that race with Garde La Victoire. So that gives us two darts at the same contest. <laughs> uh, Garde La Victoire will be mine in that in that 240 at Aintree. I think that everything is uh, is coming right for a big run from him. A nice each way price as well for the Hobbs team. And Paddy? Hey, I'll go kill Connie Bridge in that mayor's race at Wing Canton um, for the Honeyball team. I think, like I say, he does so well with mayors. He had a really good weekend last weekend and... Um, I think it's it's a lot. It's it's a red hot race. I do like the Connie Bridge. Yeah, and Anthony Honeyball basically, if you put the cat in there with a pair of silks, I'm probably getting the frame. Um, they are going that well. So kill Connie Bridge in the uh, Richard Barber Memorial Mares 150 at Wing Okay, look, no demo this weekend, but uh, sorry this week. But thank you to Paddy Aspel, Dave Weldon, and uh, you've been listening to the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at Bookmakers.co.uk. Thanks, chaps. Have a good weekend. You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Your best bet for tips, news and bookmaker reviews.